is with great sadness that we report that ProHockeyNews.com lost our family member, Don Money, this week. Don was a valued member of our staff, and he'll be sorely missed. Our condolences go out to his family and friends. Don, we love you. Welcome in to another edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Producer Richard Cote here. It is the uh, first line edition of the podcast. And where is our center? Adam Minnick is missing. Uh, he, apparently he has a um, an engagement that he, he cannot miss. So I guess we'll just put him as a healthy scratch, Lonnie. I was going to say it was the shorthanded edition. So he's spending the episode in the box. Oh, I like that better. I like we that. Could ha- we could healthy scratch him. That's... <laughs> I guarantee you he's going on five in his picks this week. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll make sure he does. That's right. That listeners, that sweet, sweet voice you just heard is Lonnie Goldsmith joining me from Minnesota. Lonnie, how are things up North? Things up North are good. Spring might actually be around the corner as I'm watching the snow dwindle away out of my backyard. It's, you know, could, could be, uh, could be worse. I mean, it, it's also, you know, not summer yet, so we could still get snow for quite a while. I've I've seen it happen. I'm not counting my chickens yet, but right. Oh yeah, how, how often do you guys get snow past like April? I, I remember one pretty good snowfall the first week of May. Okay. Um, and my daughter's birthday a few years ago was marked by a giant uh, blizzard, and we got 18 inches that day. Uh, in mid-April. So it does happen. You, right. know, you can never get too comfortable with the weather. Let's just say that. Just just wondering how different it is from here in Colorado. Because we, we do get the occasional storm in like April, sometimes mm-hmm. in May, but it's usually just like a trace. It's not really measurable. But Right. But the difference is a lot of times you'll get snow and then it'll be 80 the next day. Exactly. I mean, that's it's doing it right now. We're about yeah. to hit like 60s this weekend after we just got like seven inches of snow here in Aurora. Uh, listeners, this episode of the Pro Hockey News Podcast is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store. Head over to chicagowolvesstore.com, enter in code PHN15 to get 15% off your purchase on one of the sweetest logos in minor league sports. There's quite a bit going on in the hockey world. We have the NHL trade deadline coming up. We have a lot of big names and rumors floating around. We'll take a look at where we think those might land. We have the NHL talking to a couple of women's professional hockey leagues about the future of hockey. And we will also be joined by the president of the Eurolanch fan club, David Puhovsky, to not necessarily talk hockey this time, but the current situation going on in Ukraine. But first, let's take a look at some of those names and some of the trade rumors going on around the NHL trade deadline. All right. So this week we are coming up on the trade deadline in the NHL. Um, A lot of big names still on the table. Uh, We just had one big name traded earlier today as we record this on Friday, uh, March 18th. Um, But I kind of want to take a look at some of the teams uh, who really haven't made a move, who might need to, to make a move. Lonnie, um, we, these names that are still out there, they, they should be finding a home. I'm talking names like, you know, the one that's always out there, Marc-Andre Fleury, PK Subban, uh, um, uh, Claude Giroux. Yeah. Yes. Um, those three names are, are still, you know, haven't moved. Everyone's expecting that to happen where, where do you, do you, do you think they're going to be staying with their teams? Let, let's start with, with the big name, Mark Andre Fleury. There are teams that can be using some goaltending help. Do you see him staying put with Chicago for the rest of the season? Well, I think there's a lot of teams that could use goaltending help. I mean, I don't, I think he should not be spending the rest of the season with Chicago um, for starters, but it's just a quite, he's got a modified no trade clause. Uh, he can sort of drive where he wants to go. And with a $7 million cap number, it's it, it can be a little bit challenging to find the right spot for him because you need to, I mean, in Chicago's 
has zero projected cap space as of right now. Um, they're also one over the roster at the moment, uh, according to cap friendly after the, uh, after the Hagel trade. So, I mean, I certainly think they need to move them if they could recoup a first rounder this year out of it, which is the pick that they sent to Columbus in the Seth Jones deal. Mm-hmm. Like that would probably be a good idea for them, but you know, he's a guy who, who can sort of drive the narrative a little bit on, on where he wants to go and whether he wants to go. And it, it, it's gotta be, you gotta find a willing trade partner and you gotta find a partner with cap space. And that is always the, the very delicate dance that's coming up in these last uh, just under three days as we are uh, recording right now. Yeah. And, um, it has been reported that the asking price for flurry is, is that first round pick or a first round uh, pick equivalent for a prospect mm-hmm. um, is what Chicago is going to be asking for flurry. Um, but I, I thought it might be kind of fun to look at maybe some of the contenders out there. And there, there really aren't many of them who may have the three and a half million. Cause let's say Chicago retains 50% of his, his salary, uh, the three and a half million to be able to bring Flurry on for the rest of the season. Um, really, I mean, the only the only few teams who are sort of in contention. I mean, we have the San Jose Sharks, not really in contention, no, um, but not necessarily out of it. Nashville Predators in it could probably use a little bit of help, but I think they have other needs right now that they can use that money for. New York Rangers. I don't think they're in dire need of goaltending help. They seem okay right now, but maybe uh, a flurry could help sure that up. You know, I I think the question with the Rangers is really, I I think their goaltending is great. Their tandem is one of the better ones in the league right now. It becomes, I think, an issue of, do you want to have a playoff tested goalie and he is one of the playoff tested goalies um really of all time um this is a hall of fame goalie who's got a number of cups and georgiev and um shesterkin are phenomenal They're, they're having a great season for the rangers but now the question becomes do you know what do you what do you give up if the Blackhawks say, give us one of those two, mm-hmm. there's, there's your first round pick equivalent. Keep your pick. We want one of those guys. Did they do it? Is that worth the the cost? Mm. Yeah. For uh, essentially maybe a, I, I know Flurry has said he wants to play one more year after this year. So are we talking about like a half year rental and then maybe a one year extension that that's going to be an even bigger hit to your cap? Cause he's probably going to want that 7 million that he made last year. Or, you know, depending on how they finish up, if they end up winning a cup and he still does want to come back, I, I can't imagine he would he win one more cup. I, I think you, you call it if you're him, but. Right. Not- I mean, but also Shesterkin is 20, uh, 27. Georgia have just turned 26. These are young guys. Oh, yeah. I, you have that tandem. You have Adam Fox and Truba and Lindgren and Keandre Miller on your blue, you know, young guys on your blue line. I mean, obviously the forwards, they're drafting in the top two for a while. Chris Kreider is having a career year right now at 31. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I make that move if I'm the Rangers because I'm given what your goaltending is doing right now. I'm not sure that's worth the, uh, that's worth the price you'd have to pay to do it. Yeah. And now that said, they have cap space. They do have cap. They have a lot of cap space. They do have that first round pick. They have two second round picks next or this upcoming draft. So they do have the capital to be able to bring him in, but I do see your point. And I I do agree. You do have two really good up and coming goaltenders who are having phenomenal years. I think your biggest worry is going to be two years down the road. What's going to happen when, one of those is going to want to branch off or there's going to be a big push to get rid of one of them. Who do you let go? Well, now here, the, the, the situation right now, 
you know, contract wise is that you've got Georgiev who's an RFA after this season. Mm-hmm. Shosturkin just, you know, recently signed. He's got after the season, another three years at 5.666 and change uh, per through the 24, 25 season. So he's kind of locked in at this point. Right. Um, which is why I don't know if I, uh, this isn't, I'm not sure that's the move that I make. I mean, the the average age of their blue line is 24. Mm-hmm. I probably want to season that up a smidge if I'm them. But it's hard to, you know, hard to argue with the results right now because they are playing pretty good hockey. They are playing pretty good hockey. I think one thing that if if I'm part of the Rangers front office, I say to myself, how long is the core of this team staying together? How long are we going to be able to afford or are they going to want to stay together? What is our window of winning that cup? If it's a small window, which I don't think it is, I think the Rangers are going to be a a powerhouse in the metropolitan for years to come. Um, But if it is that short window, I think, yeah, you go ahead, you, you pull the trigger, you get Marc-Andre Fleury and you try and win the cup now. But I don't think they're in that position. I don't think they're either. So, I mean, you look at their forwards. You can take a guess who their oldest forward is. Oh, uh, <laughs> Ryan Reeves. Yeah, right. Did you just look it up or did you guess uh, it? I just just looked it up. All right. I, so I, yes. I, had, I had the tab open. I had to. I had to. All look. right. All right. Fair enough. Ryan Reeves. After that, there's a five year jump down to Panarin and Kreider. Mm-hmm. This is a really young team. Even with Reeves at 35, the average age of their forwards are 27 and a half. The average age of their defensemen are 24.6. This is a really young team. This team with proper, you know, roster management, cap management, and hopefully if the cap for their sake, if the cap goes up, you don't need to make, you don't need to make a move for a 37 year old rental right no. now. Not the way that you're not the way that your goalie goaltending and, and defense is playing. I'm not sure if, that's worth the, the the price to me. And to, to be honest, I, I don't think that Flurry is going to enhance their chances to win a cup enough to make that gamble. I that's the other piece of it. I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of fun to take a look at, at who who's out there, who might be in the market for a goalie. Um, the thing is, not a whole lot of contenders are going to be able to afford it, it unless you start to get a little clever. And I've been pushing this narrative, I got to say, um, that Colorado should try and make a push because I know their goaltending is not playoff tested. In fact, I don't even think their goaltending has seen a single playoff game. Um, (laughs) I I am not 100% confident because once you get out of the regular season, you're not putting eight goals up a game on, you know, a competitor in the first round. Like you you might get out of the first round with this goaltending tandem that they have you're probably not getting out of the second round because the competition is going to get that much stiffer. Um, I, I would love to see Marc-Andre Fleury in an Avs uniform. That is just my dream. And I think it would help out the team significantly. I think it will help out the locker room significantly. And I think it's a team whose window to win that cup has just shrunk significantly over the last three years since they've been consistently making the playoffs and been, you know, a, favorite in the West. They haven't made it out of the second round. I think he would be the piece that could help them get out again after this season. I don't know if they're going to be that as competitive or they're going to have trouble keeping the core together to be as competitive to move on. So that's, well, they've, they've already made one move as a minor, you know, lower level trade, but, um, Nico Sturm for, uh, for Jost, uh, Pesson Jost, um, You know, look, it's a good move if you're Minnesota. They were they clearly had decided they weren't re-signing Sturm. It's the only reason you ship a low budget, uh, or sorry, a low budget, low dollar figure mm-hmm. pending UFA is if you know you're not going to re-sign him. He's definitely a trade ship for Colorado. I'm not sure he should get too settled in Denver. But yeah. All right, let me throw in either or because I don't see any way that both of these things happen. Marc-Andre Fleury or Claude Giroux? To Colorado? Yeah. 
Oh, I, I think Colorado could use the goaltending help more. I think that would be more beneficial to the team right now. They are so stacked in front of that. Um, but you, you got you, key injuries right now. You have uh, Landeskog who is out mm-hmm. uh, indefinitely, but they hope he'll be back for the playoffs uh, due to a knee injury. Um, so it is tempting to say that maybe they, they might make that move, but I think by the trade deadline, they're, their target should be to get new goaltending, whether it be flurry or otherwise they need to improve their goaltending. I would lean towards that. The, I mean, I think the situation you're looking at, I mean, I think you're underselling it with just how small the window is getting in Colorado. Yeah. It's, it's shrinking really fast. Um, you know, next year, uh, you know, UFA is going into next season. Burkowski, Kadri, Nichushin, Helm, who might retire at this point, we'll see, uh, and Sturm. Mm-hmm. And I love Darren, like Darren Helm, career Red Wing, huge fan, does a lot of, you know, gritty, greasy work. Like, I got no problems with that, with that guy. He's fantastic. The only guy, only forwards under contract going in next season are Ranton and Landeskog, McKinnon, and Comfer. Oh, and Logan O'Connor, um, of your, of your key your four, yeah. core guys, uh, Alex Newhook too. I mean, yeah, the blue line is in a little more settled shape, but in terms of forward play, this, uh, this is going to be a challenging time for, for Colorado. And, um, Sackick's got some headaches and not a lot of draft picks. I mean, and this is the other problem with the trade is they don't, I don't know what depth in the system looks like for them, but they don't, I mean, they have no first this year. They have no second this year. They have no fourth this year. They have no second or fourth next year. Nope. It, yeah, it's, it's slim pickings when it comes to the draft. Um, they got, they got a few names in, uh, you know, in the pipeline with the Eagles, but yeah, I, I think now's the time to, to make their move. And if you look at, um, uh, interesting number is I was throwing out the three and a half million dollars needed to pay half of Mark Andre Fleury's uh, mm-hmm. salary there for the year. Uh, Darcy Kemper uh, is signed on for $3.5 million. You might be able to clear that off if you're able to move him out, but um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see there. Um, yeah, no, it's not, it, it's not a bad thought. I mean, that's an obviously logical place because they're going to need, they're going to need something in Chicago if they make that trade, because I mean, you could ride with, Kevin Lankin and the rest of the season. Um, and Hey, by the way, Darcy Kemper has 18 playoff games in his, uh, history nine with nine with Arizona in the, uh, the bubble tournament and then seven with the, uh, sorry, uh, nine with the wilds. Yeah. Uh, So uh, he's, he's got some, he's got some experience. He, he he does um and how, how deep did he make it into the the playoffs with each um that's a good question i think he might have won around with the wild arizona that was the year they won a series oh he got yeah, nine yeah. games that that year so he that's definitely right. yeah, won yeah. something um <laughs> i mean listen his stats with, with with the coyotes that year were he was 222 with a 928 and it, you know, serviceable goalie as hard of a time as I give him this year for Colorado, he's actually played pretty well. Yes. Um, but it's been those games where he's been off that they've needed him to be on. Um, not, not that Colorado is struggling right now, mind you, they, they are, they are playing quite well. Um, but if you, if you're able to get the, the championship caliber goalie in place, that just kind of secures you a little bit more. Look, it, it, it's cliche. We use it all the time. It's been used for years. But in the playoffs, you need a guy to, who's going to be able to steal you a game. Mm-hmm. You know, Darcy Kemper and uh, Pavel uh, Francouz, I, uh, not f- <laughs> feeling great about the steal uh, <laughs> potential. But that's that's just me. Maybe I'm, Maybe that's wrong of me, but... I don't know. Not loving it. If I'm, yeah. if I'm a absent as a backup, I mean, 
we love Frank Kuz out here. He, he's done fantastic. I, I don't think he's a starter, which is why I think you need to bring in somebody to replace Kemper. And the backup goalie and the backup quarterback are the two most popular players to the fans in sports. They oh, love them. Yeah, absolutely. Love them. Always do. But you're right. You need a guy who can shoulder a playoff series, who can shake off the the the, the fluke goal that will be allowed and it will be allowed. These happen mm-hmm. and you've just got to, if you can get a flurry, I think you do it. I, you know, you, if I'm Colorado, I maybe hope to get some, assur- or anybody, frankly, some assurance that he's willing to consider staying one more year though. Uh, you, you know, you'd mentioned that the, the, um, the backup goalie and the backup quarterback, the most uh, popular to fans in sports uh, here in Colorado, if we do get Marc-Andre Fleury, it's going to be the starting goalie and the starting quarterback as we would have Marc-Andre Fleury and Russell Wilson in yeah, the same it's, city. It's been, it, it would have been a good month for the uh, sports fans in, in Denver. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we, the Rockies signed Chris Bryant. Is it, that, that's a big deal. That's, I'm, I'm told. I'm told. A big deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another name, Lonnie, that you had brought up Claude Giroux. Um, we, we had, talk you you'd mentioned that maybe he might be one or the other for you know a Marc Andre Fleury or Claude Giroux coming here to Colorado um let, let's talk realistically uh spots where he might end up at the trade deadline because as uh as of Friday he has not traveled with the Flyers to Ottawa because they expect him to be dealt by the trade deadline so it's not a matter of if he's going to go somewhere it's a matter of who's taking him who has the space and who can use him. Lonnie, do you have any spots in mind that you think Claude Giroux could go? I think lots of teams could use him. Um, that's not really the, that's not really a question. He's, <laughs> he, he, he is, he's just, I mean, yes, he's older. Uh, he's 34 years old. He's got a hefty cap number. Um, and he's a pending UFA. So it's, you're probably paying a big price for a rental, but you know, I still think he's got the, uh, and he still has the ability to, to help uh, a team out. I mean, he's got 18 goals and 24 assists in 57 games um, on, let's face it, a really pretty bad flyers team. Yeah. Uh, he he is he is the bright spot on that squad. Um, I yeah, I mean I think he should wa- I think he should wave his no move clause. <laughs> um, I mean and listen you 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 watch the team give Rasmus Ristolainen a f- five year twenty five and a half million dollar deal. I, I'm not sure what they're thinking. Is that really a you know? you want to spend the, the twilight years or do you want a chance to win? And, right. you know, but, but as you know, I've seen Boston as a team that's been, uh, kicked around. Oh, for, uh, Oh, how, how would the fans in Philly love to see him in a Bruin sweater? Not, they wouldn't love it. <laughs> I mean, they boot Santa Claus. I got no no reason to doubt they'd boot Claude Giroux. Right. No matter right. how much they like him. Um, I, I'm going to toss out uh, a couple of teams here. Uh, teams who can just right off the bat afford the four plus million dollars for half of his, his cap room. Uh, we just talked about them before, the New York Rangers and the Nashville Predators two possible contenders. One's a contender, one kind of on the bubble. Um, of those two, which do you think would be the more likely option for Giroux to land? Well, I mean, I would think Nashville only because does Philly really want to make a deal with New York? Uh, that said, he's got a no move clause. So he, you know, much like Mark Andre Fleury, he sort of gets to drive the uh, discussion around where he goes. But I mean, that would, I think that would, if you were to go to the Rangers, that would definitely be a difference making trade Mm -hmm. in a situation where they're within six points of first in the, in the metropolitan right now. 
Um, yeah, as as you'd mentioned, this this could potentially be it for him. Like, um, I, we don't know if he he plans to come back. I mean, I'm sure he would like to, or if a team's going to offer him enough to keep him around. Um, so, I I think New York is definitely a good spot. And if you're Philly, I mean, really, you have nothing to play for this year. Your season's done. You know, it's better if you kind of tank at this point. So, um, yeah, I think if you're Philly, I don't think it's a that big of a deal to, to deal them off to, uh, to New York when you can get, you know, some decent either capital or some decent, you know, draft picks from him. Yeah, I mean, you know, another team that's sort of, I think, in a, almost a similar boat as – as Nashville is right here in Minnesota, um, you know, they're, they're tied on points. Minnesota's got a couple games in hand, but you know, both teams have been hanging around 500 lately. I mean, really with the exception of Colorado, the whole division has been hanging <laughs> right. around 500 lately, um, except for Arizona, who's won seven of their last 10 and yeah. still, still, you know, dead last. Um, you know, Minnesota, not, I'm not sure he's waving his no trade clause to come here, but I it's not a, I'll say it's not an unviable option. I'm just not sure that that's, I'm not sure that's the move Minnesota needs. Yeah. Minnesota would have to move around quite a bit to be able to make that cap space for them. right i mean they've got 2.2 and assuming that you know that half number is assuming that they retain salary right um and honestly i i i think minnesota's bigger need is on the blue line i'm not sure you know looking at this roster i'm not sure it's the forwards yeah but i mean the, the that defense is a little um it, it's something outside of the top pair um, top three, if you want to throw doom Dumba in there, but yeah, it's um, I mean, defense is where Minnesota needs to make their move. Um, I'm not sure it's uh, it, it it's with a guy like Giroux. Their forwards yeah. are, their forward group feels like they're in pretty good shape right now. Yeah. You know, um, if I'm putting money on it, I think uh, I think Rangers are going to make a, a pretty hefty offer, and I think uh, they could potentially get him. I think that would be a good spot for him, but hey, that's just me. All right, um, kind of shifting out of um, out of trade talks because, well, actually, no, we, we do have one trade. We we haven't really talked about um, uh, the trade that actually yeah, happened. The Hagel, today. the Hagel trade. I was like, <laughs> I lost it in the rundown. We haven't talked about the Hagel trade. Not um, a rumor. It actually, actually took place. Took place today as we're recording Friday, February, February. I'm living back in February. I shouldn't. March 18th. I, I, why do I want to keep on turning back the clock? No, um, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hegel signs with the lightning. Uh, a, I mean. A, a, hefty, <laughs> a hefty price to pay. Um. Two firsts and two currently rostered players. Yep. Um, it's a big, I mean, it feels like a lot to pay for a guy who's, you know, I mean, he's on a cheap deal with some, uh, with some team control after that. I, I understand that they're, you know, like if you can get that, um, if you can get what they did, um, I probably make that trade too. If I'm Chicago, I give up a, you know, a young building, young building block player for, for that kind of haul. Um, like I had heard he might fetch a lot. Guy's got 108 games and 61 points under his belt. Yeah. And, and he, he fetched that. That's a, I mean, that's the price you pay for somebody who's 
making, you know, who's, who's a cap hit of 1.5 each of the next two, and then he's an RFA. Yeah. And when you're a capped out team, like, uh, like Tampa perpetually is, and but, you don't care about draft picks, so it's fine. Yeah. What are you talking about? They got plenty of, of negative cap space uh, right. once people start coming off the uh, LTIR. Listen, just in time for the playoffs. Just right? in time for just, the playoffs. I, I wonder who, who's going on right now. That's right. Uh, you know, they've got their, you know, they got two fourth rounders back in the deal. So, you know, but they're without a second and third this year. They're without a first and second. Next year, they're without a first. Yeah. In 2024, yeah. In 2024. Uh, like, again, these are the moves you make if your window is is wide open, which theirs is, and you want to keep it open for as long as possible. Yeah. And you don't you don't care about the draft. You want to win as much now as you can without having to do any of that pesky rebuild stuff. I mean, you look at their, their top forwards, that's all from the draft. So, you know, what right. are they thinking for the, the future here? If they're trading away all their, their number one, dra- I mean, right. again, well, the, the future is, is giving up two first and two pro two, you know, low level prospects for a 23 year old. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the future there, you know, the future, is now. I mean, the future is now. And look, when you're, when you've won two straight cups and you're arguably a favorite for a third, you've got the best goalie on the planet. You've got the best defenseman on the planet. Like, yeah, these are the moves you make to keep, to keep the window open as long as possible, you know, and the hell with it, whatever happens happens. And at some point, yeah, at some point you're going to have to rebuild because you're going to have to start from somewhere. But like this is a move to to both keep the window open and to give you as much flexibility as possible because uh, right now Patrick Maroon and Brandon Hagel outside of the top three earners are the only forward signed for the 23-24 season. Yeah. I, I, I'm you, – you know that Hagel's – payday once it comes up if he stays in tampa that is going up significantly from that 1.5 sure it is and that's and that's okay because right now you have nobody else under contract yeah so it's fine he can get his and at some point look whether it's you know rookie free agents you know college kids who weren't drafted college kids who who don't want to sign with the team that drafted them. I mean, Minnesota's got that right now. You've got uh, Jack McBain out of BC, uh, big forward. He's not going to sign here. I think it's been made pretty clear he's not going to sign here. His name is being shopped, but he's going to be a free agent. So, you know, you're a team. You got to take a risk. Is that the kind of player that? I mean, is that the kind of way Tampa rebuilds, retools, re whatever you want to call it after this window? Maybe, but they, they've pushed all the right buttons for years now. I don't know why we would doubt that they would continue to. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, this is, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like the next few days are just going to be chaotic as we get to the trade deadline on March 21st. I actually don't even think it's the next few days. It's going to be from Monday from early, early hours of Monday morning, just after Sunday night, I think the, I think the speculation is going to start when you, when you have situations like Jeru's where guys get held out, why are they being held out? What does it mean that they're being held out? And then comes the rumors. I think there's going to be at least one unexpected name dealt that that's, I, I mean, look, the, the experts who cover this stuff in far more detail than us put these lists together. I think there's going to be somebody way down off the list or not even on the list that gets moves that people say, wow, I think yeah. there's an, I think there's going to be at least one of those sort of moderate name, moderate big deal names that nobody saw coming that gets moved. Yeah. Like Hagel, Giroux, Fleury, like the, those, those few names we've talked about, those are the trades that are supposed to happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, devil's in the details. So we'll, we'll see. Always. Uh, yeah. 
We'll see how uh, some of the lower level trades pan out for some of these contenders and no, maybe the not contenders and their, their future building blocks. All right. Uh, we are joined by uh, the Eurolanch fan club president, I believe, uh, president David Puchowski. Uh, David, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the podcast. Uh, I know you've joined us before um, under, you know, happier circumstances, uh, but uh, there was a, a recent story that came out uh, that I saw, and I, I saw you, that the Eurolanch was involved, and I, I really wanted to get you on to talk about uh, the situation out in Ukraine. Um, before we get into that, uh, can you tell me, just you, you've spent some time on the border. What have you seen out there, um, and can you kind of describe the situation? Thank you very much for the invitation and chance to speak about this. So it was like three weeks ago, Thursday, morning of my, our time here when uh, we found out that Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, it was obviously shock to many of the people uh, because maybe some people expected attack on very east part of Ukraine, but this was, was like the attack on the whole country of Ukraine. So first thing what I did was uh, ask my boss for approval to drive to the borders, which is like six hours from Bratislava on the very west side where I live. And then uh, it was horrible to see because it was the first night, first day of the war. Uh, and suddenly more and more, more and more people were starting coming into Slovakia. And uh, you could see a fear, scare uh, in their faces, uh, faces full of questions. What is going on? How long this war will last? What we are going to do now in, in Slovakia? What will happen with our properties in Ukraine? with the family in Ukraine, with animals in Ukraine. Uh, it, it was a really shock for me. It, of course, it was nothing to be like, be in the city which were bombed and you, you are going to try to survive. But it was like mm, direct uh, res result uh, of the war, which I could see at my own eyes. Uh, also, it was the first night, so the state was not ready for this. There were no volunteers, no special forces. It was just about the policemen as the usual border patrol and me, uh, the photograph for the police force. Uh, fortunately, the next days, uh, thanks to the volunteers, they were uh, constructed special tents uh, for the people. So it's like small cities around the border now with some good system, thanks to the vol volunteers. But the first night was really horrible. It was like, uh, I don't know, maybe on, on Titanic, because uh, the first hours first hours of the war, the whole families may enter with all men. But suddenly, when I was there, I was told, look, David, they are not allowing uh, older men or adult men enter anymore to the Slovakia, because the Ukrainian government made the decision that all men between 18 to 60 has to remain uh, in Ukraine because of the war. So I could see scenes like when the families were dividing uh, in front of my eyes, uh, vans full of uh, girls, women, women only drive the car. So it was really like on Titanic, really. Yeah. Um, now, the, the story uh, that, that came out recently uh, about a little boy who was reunited with his family, um, that was through help with the Avalanche fan club that you created, the, the Eurolanche fan club. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that club got involved to help the boy get reunited with his family? Uh, so to make it clear, I work for the Slovak police force as a civilian for the communications department. Uh, and I cooperate with my colleagues who are on the border because they live close, closer to that place. And one of them uh, took pictures of this boy named Hassan one night. And he also found out about his personal story and background that he traveled alone from very East Ukraine for like three, four days on a train full packed of strange people. He, he was alone because his mother had to take care of the grandmother and his siblings were already in Slovakia. So after these three, four days on the train, uh, he finally arrived to the Slovak border and my colleague uh, also saw that uh, he had, that this boy had a phone number of his brother written on his hand by a pen. Uh, so this was a re really, uh, <laughs> really big story 
of course, uh, what I could also feel as the for former journalist. So we broke this up, um, published photos, and suddenly the whole media started to get in and uh, published the photos in, in their outlets. It was literally everywhere. And so the boy arrived here, and the next stage was to found out how to get the mother and grandmother from Ukraine. Uh, fortunately, it went very well, like several days later, despite grandmother is uh, sick and uh, she couldn't move uh, properly, but they made, they made it on the train like the sun. And in this stage, I start to be get involved. I made some calls uh, about this, but I can be concrete uh, on, on this. Uh, how I helped with the transportation and there was a charity organization whose driver even entered to Ukraine and took these two women from the first train station when they went off and took them to here in Slovakia. And then I drove the family, the kids, five siblings uh, from Bratislava to the place where the mother and grandmother are staying until these days because they are waiting to find some large apartment for seven people. So I was there when the family met for the first time since the war outbreak. Uh, I took the pictures, uh, which were again distributed to the media worldwide. And until these days, we are getting, or the family is getting attention and requests from media worldwide again, I have to say. And um, what, what the first thing, uh, what I did to this boy was, that I stopped by the NHL shop here and bought him avalanche head, of course, some snacks and so, uh, to make him happy. And it was not planned that he would, but it was not planned that he would have avalanche head uh, on his head when I took pictures. So it was really great coincidence. Uh, and then I'm in touch with uh, the siblings because they speak English. And now I started GoFundMe uh, fundraising thanks to my friend in the States and we hope that uh, we will uh, collect money for their second restart of their lives. It's second because uh, they had to escape from Syria like nine years ago. They lived there because the father was Syrian, mother is Ukrainian, but they were living there in Syria when the civil war outbreak and um, unfortunately the father didn't make it. Uh, so uh, they are without father and they lived for nine years in peace in Ukraine and now they um, had to leave another country. So um, you'd mentioned that um, there you'd raised a lot of money through the Avalanche fan club that you created and just through uh, people you know here in the States. Um, I think you'd mentioned to me that uh, Colorado, uh, people here in Colorado have, have contributed quite a bit. Um, are there any sites where people can go, uh, anybody who's listening here who may want to contribute and help out uh, the refugees in Ukraine? Is there a, a place they can go to make a donation? Yeah, of course. Uh, so if you want to help the Hassan family, there is GoFundMe from them. If you want to help to everyone else, you can contact me and uh, I can buy some medical supplies or you can set, send even some stuff to me and I will make sure it will get inside Ukraine because actually uh, we have many like stuff for refuge, refugees here, like cosmetic clothes. Uh, there is, here is a very big wave of solidarity. Um, and also there are, you can check the police Slovakia Facebook page and the very first pin post uh, contains useful links how to help. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, and I know this isn't your particular area, I understand, but as somebody who's sort of watching everything that's going on next door in Ukraine, how easy is it to, to help get the supplies and the things that you're collecting to the people who need it, whether they're, they've already come to Slovakia and they're in those tents in the refugee area or they're, on the other side of the border in Ukraine? So here in Slovakia, it's much easier, of course. Uh, and people are still like very touched by the whole story and they are ready to help. Uh, we will see how long it will last because of course there are some people, especially in the politics that would like to maybe turn around the whole sentiment, which would fit in the in their pro extremist view of the world. 
and the other side of the border in Ukraine, it's it's really hard. It's possible to cross the Ukraine, even if you are not a soldier, you can enter there. Uh, but of course, you have to count that on the way back, you will wait like 10, 15 hours in line. And when you are Ukraine, nothing is secure and nothing is guaranteed. Uh, we have the airport in the border Ukraine city, and the end of the runway almost touches the borderline with Slovakia. And uh, the Ministry of Defense said that this airport will be shelled by the Russian. So it will be like one meter of the Slovakian border. So not, nothing is for sure. And all the, all the heads down to the people who are entering Ukraine and try to distribute this stuff. Given how close in that fear of shelling, is there a concern that your country may get drawn in to this uh, in a way that you were hoping not to? Uh, can you please repeat the question? Yeah, given given the proximity and the concern of that that airport might get shelled and that mm-hmm. Slovakia may accidentally get shelled in the process, is there a concern that Slovakia might get drawn further into this conflict? If if we are attacked by Russia, it will be the World War Three, because fortunately, in this way, we are part of NATO, mm-hmm. uh, so even. President of the United States said said this that he's not going to maybe attack Russia now because Ukraine is not part of NATO and it would cost the World War Three. But if a membership country of NATO is attacked, it will be World War Three, and the U.S. will st- take a step in. Um, David, th- there was uh, something in the email exchange between you and I uh, before we started this interview. Uh, that you had mentioned, and I, I had not noticed until you brought it up. Um, we, we had seen, um, you know, public, uh, you know, um, distancing from Russia, from the NHL, and from a few different clubs in the NHL. Um, you had mentioned that there really hasn't been any public disavowing from the Colorado Avalanche or anything put forward from the Avalanche to assist Ukraine. Um, and I found that very odd myself. Um, do you personally have a, a message for the Colorado Avalanche for the club um, at this point? Yes, uh, we are talking about this topic like maybe on daily basis, like the most active fans in Europe here. And we are a little bit sad and shocked that the Avalanche uh, have not taken any step like any kind of de- gesture to show that they are thinking on us here in Europe and especially on fans in Ukraine, because Ukraine is a very big country, so there are fans of the Avalanche, I bet, on 1,000%. There is one concrete fan I know, and here in Slovakia and other countries, we have no war. We have just like informational war in the online area, but we can see the war um, the war results every day here. Refugees are here. It uh, it damages our economic. We, we have to be right, but we are here to ready to help them. But uh, we are affected by the war. So any kind of small gesture, maybe two sentences, maybe Ukraine anthem or singing the national U.S. anthem by Ukraine people living in Colorado would make it uh, really nice to us and we would be sure that our team we have been supporting for decades is thinking on us at uh, least a gesture um, and, and getting back to uh, some of the supplies to help the refugees who are coming over into Slovakia uh, what are the items that you found are are needed the most by refugees coming over is it Um, medical? Is it personal hygiene? Uh, What what are the best supplies to offer? Probably personal hygiene. Okay. Because I was in one storage and they even didn't accept clothes. They they don't accept clothes anymore. They send the clothes uh, to the Ukraine now because for refugees, we are covered. So obviously it's a really... uh 
harrowing situation. We've all been reading about it, but to get to hear your first uh, your first person account of it, and especially the story with ha- with Hassan, I, I you know seen a piece on it in the news um, here on MSNBC earlier this week, and had no idea that uh, your role in it. So it's uh, it's it's great to talk to somebody who's played such a pivotal part, even in one one story with a happy ending. Um, it, it is a good thing these days. It does certainly help the lighten the mood some. Yeah. Thank you, David, for joining us here on the Pro Hockey News podcast. And thank you very much for everything you were doing to help these Ukrainian refugees. Thank you very much. And thank you for your support. And if you would like to read news about what is happening in this region, please follow us on Twitter. And, uh, what is that, uh, that handle? Eurolunch. Eurolunch. Okay, great. Thank you very much, David. Um, something I uh, want to bring up here um, and kind of a little segue into our, our last segment here. Um, we have the third woman to ever play in the QMJHL. Evie uh, Gascon is going to be making her debut on Saturday. Um, she is going to be playing for the... Um, I'm going to butcher this name. <laughs> I was waiting to French see names, if French names. If anybody listens to the second line and you no, know, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to take a shot. I'll, I'll, but I'll, I'll take a shot for you. Go ahead. Uh, Gatineau Olympiques. Thank you. Uh, she is going to be making her debut on uh, Saturday for the uh, Gatineau Olympiques. I hope I got that right. And I hope uh, Lonnie steered me in the right direction. Uh, again, becoming the third woman ever to play in the uh, in the QMJHL, um, exciting news to come out today. Uh, really excited to see how she is going to stack up and uh, how well she is going to play. Because uh, I don't know, it just uh, these these kinds of stories always get me excited. I always like, oh, I, I want to tune in or I want to see like the game report from that and see, you know, just how well she she is going to do. Because you now I'm I'm rooting for her, but that's just me. No, I think I, I think it's really exciting. I think we're I think we're certainly past the point where it's a gimmick. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it, at least it was certainly treated as such. Uh, I remember when, uh, when Manon Rayom came up mm-hmm. and um, played for the lightning, like or at least in an exhibition game, I remember it was very much treated as a gimmick. Like, Oh, this is cute. Look, girl can play hockey. Um, now, I mean, you <laughs> playing for a men's team right now, she has a 10, five and O record with a two eighty one goals against average and eight ninety nine save percentage. Um, like the, it's going to be really interesting to see the Q is one of, I mean, they put up video game numbers, the top scorers mm-hmm. all, the, all the time. It's um, it is a forwards league. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how she how she can hang. And I, I don't know how much you could stock. You could put in the numbers. She, you know, eventually puts up there simply because, you know, men's goal, you know, men in goal struggle in, in that league because it's the forwards are always so talented. I think it's really exciting though. I think it's, it's good to see. I think it's good to see hockey progress in that way. And, um, you know, hopefully we see more of it. I, I, I am curious to see. And until there's, a, you know, better women's hockey infrastructure that allows women to progress up the same way that that the men do, then there I think it's going to be fewer and further between. But goalie always seems like it's the position where it can happen. And it's sort of the cliche I've gone to on this show before. There's only one of them. And there's a lot more of the other skaters. So why not? Yeah. Um, And excellent segue into uh, our our last before our picks. See, Adam, don't, don't tell me I can't do segues. (laughs) I I knew what I was doing there. Uh, We have the NHL meeting with the professional women's hockey association and the premier hockey federation next week to discuss a partnership creating a women's hockey league to be partnered with the NHL. What this is going to, what the details behind these talks, uh, nobody's really putting out there. 
the meeting was leaked. So, it, you know, a couple of the, uh, the parties are, are not terribly happy about that. Um, but we do know that the, um, all the leagues are going to be talking about creating a single women's professional hockey league, which is something that the NHL has wanted before it fully backed said league. So, um, exciting steps forward, uh, for women's hockey and, you know, kind of a no brainer move for the NHL who, who is always talking about wanting to grow the sport. I think this is the next logical step to be able to grow the sport into a, a demographic who doesn't really have access to said professional sports. So, um, it, it, it's, it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. One that I certainly hope Batman doesn't get in the way of, um, and I, I, I'm at least heartened by the fact that he, he comes out of, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum. He comes out of the NBA. The WNBA succeeded, has succeeded for so long in part because it has that, that partnership, that buy-in from the NBA, um, the, the ownership, you know, it's a shared ownership situation between the NBA team and the WNBA team. In most cases, obviously Vegas, uh, the Vegas women's team, there's no, you know, pro ba- men's pro basketball team there yet. Um, yeah. Same with Seattle anymore, but maybe, the, you know, those two markets, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw those become basketball markets again. And, and I think this opportunity is huge because you have buildings, you have practice facilities, you know, like the wilds, the wild, I mean, even right now, the wilds practice facility is where the Minnesota Whitecaps play. Yeah. Um, so you have, you know, little Caesars arena in Detroit has the practice rink next door to that connects to the locker rooms that has seats, which where the little Caesars, uh, youth programs call home. There's no reason you couldn't play in NHL caliber rinks, even if they're practice facilities until you, as you build up a fan base, it makes all the sense in the world to do something like that. So I'm hopeful that, they can, uh, they can, you know, everybody can sort of get out of their own way and do what's in the best interest for growing the sport. And you got to have ownership willing to just say, it's not about, it's not about the money now it's the long game. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, what excites me the most is I I know over the last few years, the, uh, the, the premier hockey federation, formerly the national women's hockey league, um, had expanded, you know, significantly uh, granted uh, to six teams, but they were, they started out with four. They, gr- they expanded significantly over a couple of years um, and actually, you know, created a big buzz about women's hockey. And, and that is what really has me hopeful that the NHL has all its best intentions. And as you had mentioned, uh, you know, Gary Bettman, he loves to try and expand the sport in non-traditional ways. And I think this nails it. Like you, you have the opportunity to bring hockey to, um, to traditional markets in untraditional ways in in a, in a professional sense. And that's the, and that's gotta be the next step. It can't just be bringing hockey to, I mean, at this point, I, what untraditional markets are left Houston, Kansas city. I mean, of the realistic expansion possibilities. And yeah. frankly, I, you know, Quebec city still doesn't have a team. I'm not sure anybody wants to see a 34 team league right now. No. And so, right. Rather than grow the game by putting it in, you know, new markets, expand your fan bases in your current markets by doing this. It brings more women into the game. It builds, it, it brings more women into playing the game and gives them outlets for, beyond college hockey. Yeah. And, and it keeps them in the States as opposed to playing overseas. You just, they've got to be able to, the key is really to make it so they can make enough money where they don't have to split season. You're not split seasons, but at least play a full season here and then go to Europe and play a full season the way that w, many WNBA players do. Yeah. Yeah. No, exciting news. I'm, keeping my fingers crossed, hoping for the best in this situation, because that, that would be thoroughly, thoroughly fantastic. Um, all right. That takes us to our picks of the week. Lonnie, would you like to take a stab at, at, at this or do you want me to give the, the recap? 
Um, I don't have it up in front of me, and I think okay. it's probably for the best <laughs> that I don't have it up in front of me based on how I've been picking lately. All right. Um, all right. Our bet 99 picks of the week. Uh, quick recap from last week. Uh, Adam, he, he's cooling off a little bit, going one in four last week. Oh, thank God. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm glad he's not here to, re- to refute that because I know something would come up. Um, Lonnie, three and two. Not bad. Winning week. I, I tied you at three and two as well. So I'm trying to claw my way back into respectability. I think I've gone beyond that. And I'm in the Arizona coyote territory right now. <laughs> so I have picked us five fresh games this week to pick. Um, I, I, I'll just go ahead and start with you, Lonnie. First game, Dallas at the New York Islanders. I think this is going to be a sleepy good game. Oh, I think so too. This has the potential to be a lot of fun. Um, Dallas is playing pretty well right now. I'm going to go with the stars. All right. I'm going Islanders uh, because I want to. Okay. Game number good two. Re- good reason. <laughs> Game number two. Uh, LA Kings at the Vegas Golden Knights. Lonnie. Um, I'm. We've been saying this for weeks on this podcast. I am worried about Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Eichel, I don't think is playing this week. Uh, I am taking the Kings. All right. Um, I'm taking the Kings as well. Uh, Vegas is just not giving me, um, not getting anything. We're we're not getting, we're not getting good vibes out of them. No. And and to be honest, I, I think they're in serious danger of missing the playoffs for the first time in their, in their long storied history. Game number three, uh, yeah. Toronto at Nashville. Lonnie, who do you like? Oh, Toronto at Nashville. Um, great game. This is a good game. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Toronto. All right. Uh, I, I have a feeling about Nashville. Uh, Toronto has kind of been on the downslope, but that, I mean, th- th- they've won their last two, but that's also because they've, uh, they've been without their, their uh their star player in austin matthews but um yeah i still i I got a good vibe from nashville i I think they can squeak this one out game number four calgary at vancouver i think this is going to be a better game played than it is on paper i hope so i mean i'm still taking calgary because i don't know how you pick against them right now but yeah um yeah, I got. I I tried to find a reason to take Vancouver. I absolutely could not. But I, I think it, it's gonna be an interesting game to watch. All right, last game, and I think this one is going to be the game of the night: New York Rangers at Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah, this is a phenomenal game. This is, uh, I mean, potential Eastern Conference final right here. Uh, mm-hmm. I boy. Really, really, I mean, unbelievably even teams. Yeah. Incredibly even matchup. Uh, They're home. I'm going to take Tampa. But this is one where I don't feel great about it, but not for the reasons I usually don't (laughs) feel great about it. Um, I think this is just uh, going to be fun. Yeah, it's it's just one of those that can go either way. Absolutely. Um, I'm going, I'm going to channel my inner Lou and I'm going to go with the Rangers. Um, so we have our bases covered because yeah. I assume you'll be as grumpy as him if they lose. No, no, uh, no. So to quote a good friend of mine, no nah, dog. No. All right. So those are our bet 99 picks of the week. Follow us on Twitter at PHN podcast. You can also, uh, share your picks with us using the hashtag PHN picks time for the parting shots. Lonnie, what you got for us this week? Not much. Uh, simply, I am, after this, closing the computer and being done with work for the next week. Well, 10 days, I suppose, but all of next work week. Uh, taking the week off for the first time in, I actually don't remember how long anymore. Uh, certainly uh, pre-COVID. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be delightful to not, just not do work. <laughs> that I, you know, I feel you. That is, that is also my parting thought this week. 
as uh, once I'm done uploading this and you are listening to this fine, excellent podcast, um, I will be shutting down my computer and be taking a trip off to Hawaii for a week and just enjoying some family time. We got a couple of friends who are coming with us uh, who are also uh, listeners to the podcast. So I'm sure they'll hear this on the way out there. Uh, Scott, maybe you'll be listening to this podcast on your flight out there. Who knows? Um, but we'll be spending a week out there. And I am really looking forward to not only just seeing my friends out there, getting a surf lesson. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's so much fun. Oh, you, you've gone before? I, I did a surf lesson. Uh, when did we go? Six. I'm trying to remember how old my kids were. I don't remember. Six or seven years ago. And wasn't eight years. No, I think it was, it was 2014 or 2015 in October. My oldest daughter and I did surf lessons and it was so, I got up, I rode a wave. It was really hard. I was very sore the next day, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun though. So yeah. totally enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> I will. Thank you listeners for joining us on this edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast for Lonnie Goldsmith and uh, a very absent Adam Minnick. I, I hope he will be joining us next time. This is Richard Cote and I will see everybody in a couple of weeks.